0: Welcome one, welcome all. It is Monday, Football Monday, the Week 5 edition. I am R.J. Cho, He is Pete Sweeney. He is Michael Kist. You are listening to the SB Nation NFL Show and the premier production that the SB Nation NFL Show puts out. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the SB Nation NFL Show wherever you get your podcasts boys week five is just about in the books Um, although there are two games left maybe there is a star quarterback gone a head coach gone Uh, I saw that Adam Schefter of course of ESPN the only big-time newsbreaker allowed to do that right now referred to this past Sunday as the most newsworthy NFL Sunday in some time. Michael Kiss, do you agree?
2: Yeah, a wild one with a bunch of headlines, some unfortunate news for, for your guys, the Cowboys. Obviously, we're going to talk about it, but it was a crazy weekend with some crazy games. It was, a, it was a zany one this Sunday.
0: Pete, do you do you feel shook at all? Well, I'm, I'm very shook,
3: and I'm sure we're going to get into that in, in just a few moments. But I also think that Adam Schefter saying that was... Maybe a slight flex on his number one competitor, not being able to report anything on the same day that there was all this news. So good on Adam Schefter for uh, taking that win and and making sure that he got into the football morning in America column and, and just just wanted to show, look who's still reporting and look who's not.
0: It really is wild that and obviously we talk about this is the SB Nation NFL show obviously. But the Los Angeles Lakers won their 17th title, and it's like, it is literally maybe like the 18th most important thing in the world right now, mm. as far as we are concerned. Okay, so let's let's get started, and let's say, uh, again, Michael Kist, obviously, from Bleeding Green Nation, Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride. If anybody doesn't know, I am R. Joe Ochoa from Blog the Boys. My team, the team that I cover, was the only team of our 3 to get a dub in Week 5, but it came at a dramatic cost. The worst possible cost that you can have. The most bittersweet win I can remember for the Cowboys. They are 2-3 and three in first place in the NFC East. And they are rudderless. Dak Prescott lost for the season. A right ankle compound fracture and dislocation. Uh, we are talking... Mid-Monday morning, Dak had successful surgery on Sunday night, expected to be released from the hospital on Monday afternoon, expected to, uh, you know, take four to six months to recover. We have no idea what OTAs and minicamps are going to look like in 2021. I mean, I-, I can already see the tweets, right? You know, the, the video diagnosis of of the the three handoffs Dak takes at the first organized team activity whatever that ends up being and and this is the worst feeling that any football team can have I don't think the Cowboys were legitimate contenders or the ones that people thought they were when the season started at least to win the Super Bowl uh but Pete I mean you know a lot of Cowboys fans have heard from me already uh what are your thoughts on Dak Prescott suffering a, a, a gruesome injury that he tried to snap back into place at that
3: yeah, I, I saw this injury happening right after I finished coverage of the Chiefs game and I just couldn't believe it. And I thought what was very apparent around the league on social media and different means of communicating to the rest of the world, just how much support from all the other quarterbacks and folks in the league and how much they got behind Dak. I think Dak earned a lot of respect with some of his words this offseason and being about being honest with some mental issues and and things like that. And so just to see the league support him and truly show what he means, not only to the Cowboys, but as far as a player in the league, there are now no more questions as to, as to like how Dak is viewed as a member and a leader in the national football league. This is a situation where this is exactly why players and fans should be behind players in their pursuit of making as much money as they possibly can whenever they can. It's because the fact that you never know what's going to happen. No one ever expected something like this. And for him to be on his contract year with the franchise tag, RJ, I don't feel uh, good for you that you're going to have to cover that aspect of this. Uh, once he is healed up and I just wish him the best and a speedy recovery. I know we'll talk about Alex Smith really later in the show, but with a compound fracture, you can have infections and whatnot. So it was good to hear that that was successful as of Monday morning.
2: So there are obviously important football implications with this injury, not only with the Cowboys and the NFC East, but of course, Dak himself, as you kind of mentioned, Pete, and, and that will be covered here and elsewhere at nauseum as we work through this. Uh, I, I just want to say I respect the heck. Out of Dak Prescott, the human. And you could tell from the reaction from the guys like Jason Garrett, Michael Gallup, and so on, that they respect the heck out of him too. And it took a lot of guts for Dak to speak up about his mental health issues after the death of his brother. And that was a sign of real leadership. And as somebody that also struggles with anxiety... Depression that has struggled with panic attacks in the past. You know, I don't come from the most stable background in childhood. So, what Dak used his platform for to speak about those mental health issues, even before the game, the mask that he wore was raising, you know, uh, awareness about mental health, trying to take the stigma away. You know, not unlike Brandon Brooks and Philly has in the past, uh, that took something special to me. That helps people. That makes a real impact outside of football. So, he forever has my respect and my heart just sunk when. You see the image of him being carted off with tears in his eyes. Like The guy is a human just like the rest of us. I I wish him a speedy recovery and nothing but the best. Uh, I'll use this opportunity to say that, look, I go to therapy. And if you're thinking about going to therapy or if you're struggling, you should look into doing the same. Take care of yourself and each other. So no hot takes to spin out of this one right now. My heart goes out to the guy. So that's my piece.
0: I think that's well said, KISS, and, and we certainly love and respect you and, and your advocacy for this issue. I believe Sunday was World Mental Health Day, yeah. um, and so that was part of why Dak Ward, I think he, you know, he and, and several other Cowboys players had shared a post from Kevin Love of the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, on their Instagram stories, who's who's spoken about mental health as well. You know, Tony Romo said on the call um, that, that injuries like this, he referred to Tom Brady's season-ending injury uh, at the beginning of the 2008 season. Pete, I believe that game was against the Kansas City Chiefs actually um how things like that kind of reverberate throughout the league and I I think that that's true when it happens to superstars like Tom Brady and uh, look I'm not saying that Dak has the you know resume of Tom Brady but he's the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys he is one of the most visible and known people in professional sports in the world um and he's by all measures this incredible person uh You mentioned. uh, If somebody is somehow unaware, Dak has been through a lot during his collegiate career at Mississippi State. His mother passed away to cancer. Everything that Dak does is for her. His uh, foundation is built around her message. He and his brothers, uh, his mother had assigned words to each of them, faith, fight, and finish. And that has always kind of been what they identify with. And and Dak actually wears number four because of her. She was she was a very impactful person on, on his life, obviously. And I mentioned Tony Romo. Pete, you mentioned Jason Garrett. And I know that I often at least tend to look at the world, and, and I, by the world, I mean literally life through the lens of the Dallas Cowboys. This was one of the most surreal moments I've experienced in my life as a Cowboys fan, covering the Cowboys, in that Dak is, is on the field, obviously hurt in, in clear pain and clear agony, uh, with, with this level of devastation happening throughout AT&T Stadium. His his current coach, Mike McCarthy, runs over to be with him. His former coach, Jason Garrett, the coach that drafted him, the only one he's ever known, happens to be on the other sideline. Uh, I thought an incredibly powerful moment from Jason Garrett embracing Mike McCarthy. I, I know that there's a lot to be said about Jason Garrett's shortcomings as an NFL coach, but he has always been an incredibly classy and respectful person. Uh, with Tony Romo on the call, I mean, the the quarterback who, who Dak Prescott you know replaced I mean th- there was this this synergy to the moment that was spooky and I don't know how well either of you remember this you both follow me on Twitter and so you know I like to point out interesting coincidences and, and not that this is, is interesting or good but it was 10 years ago almost to the day it was October 25th 2010 the Cowboys had one win on the season and were struggling trying to get right and hosted the New York Giants on Monday Night Football and saw Tony Romo go down for the season with a rookie first round wide receiver wearing number 88 on the sidelines and dead. Brian And so history just awfully repeating itself in that particular capacity in this game. And speaking, I think, on behalf of Cowboys fans, they're shook. I mean, Andy Dalton is is now you know the guy and pete you mentioned in there's a lot to get to here and we got to get to other games but i think it it should be mentioned i had some fiery tweets uh, about the jones family it is just it sucks ass what dak is in uh, from a a financial i mean he's being paid 31 million dollars per year and that's a lot of money and we're talking about within the scope of where he is operating the cowboys did right by ezekiel elliott and jalen smith and demarcus lawrence and amari cooper and a lot of other guys and they did not take care of the face of their franchise and And the unfortunate, cruel reality of of sports and business is that this is now a data point moving forward in those conversations.
3: Yeah, I think that was one of the prongs to all the support. We had spoken about the mental stuff and and Kiss did a really good job, I think, wrapping on that. And I'd say he was a player's player in the fact that you heard how hard he worked. And he almost had this dispute with the owners where the NFLPA and the players and everyone around the league saw how good he was. And in a way, as he was compiling 450 yards each week at the beginning of the season, video game numbers, he was really sticking it to the man that's easy to get behind and you're right now it gets a lot more complicated given the fact that you don't know how he's going to respond from this rehab we hope it's it's the best and we hope you know he's a still a guy in his late 20s he has a, a lot of career left but it does make that situation in Dallas a lot more complicated
0: kissed um I mean you you cover the Eagles extensively and so you know the NFC East well we both we don't have to get into I don't, I don't know if you've heard people call it the NFC least because it's not good um super clever I, I don't know what to make of their odds with Andy Dalton I think Carson Wentz is is still the best quarterback in the division uh we, we have no idea who Andy Dalton is in 2020 but what do, what do you make of the Cowboys competitively because they're not just down Dak Prescott they're down Tyron Smith for the year they're down Lyle Collins Leighton Vanders is still hurt Sean Lee's still hurt they're still missing I mean this team is beaten up and I think when injuries like this happen if a, if another guy's on the edge well th- should we give season ending surgery now well the quarterback's gone let's go ahead and do it I mean your whole right. strategy changes so I don't know what, what do you see this team doing over the rest of the uh, the season Chris
2: I mean the NFC East has a, a total negative 154 point differential through five weeks right so nice. this, oh my God. This, <laughs> this thing is wide open I, I think Dalton was going to be like the idea was he would be a serviceable spot starter that could get you to 500 through four games. but I'll tell you what, 500 for the rest of the season might win you the division in, in, in this one. Now, the difference is, like you mentioned, the Eagles are banged up. The Giants are no good. Washington is no good. The Eagles are banged up. They, they, they still have their quarterback. The Cowboys don't. The Cowboys are also missing their defense, which is not as nearly banged up as their offense, but they don't show up on Sundays whatsoever. They're not going to be able to compete in these boat races that we're seeing every week from the Cowboys. So if the defense was playing better, I think Dalton could get you through some stretches with some okay play. Like Dalton's not a terrible, terrible quarterback. He's still NFL caliber. He can still get it done with the weapons that they have, but I can't see him putting up 40 burgers every week and that's kind of what they need to get through this and right now Carson Wentz and I'll talk about it later you know when we talk about the Steelers and that and the Eagles and interview Jeff Hartman from behind the steel curtain but Carson Wentz kind of looks like regressing to the mean of the average that is Carson Wentz and that's that's big for the Eagles
0: uh my last point and I've hammered this everywhere uh I said going into this game the New York Giants had three offensive touchdowns and I said that they would match that against the Dallas Cowboys and they did and they are the worst offense in the NFL, and so you're right, Kiss. I mean, Kyler Murray is going to just man. I don't know, but um, <laughs> but the Cowboys have an extra day to figure this out. We'll see if they do. Dak Prescott has never missed an NFL game in his career, and he will starting next Monday night. Uh, but Pete, you mentioned covering the Kansas City Chiefs, and they lost. A g- I hate this this way of framing things. By the way, I saw a few tweets like the the Chiefs haven't lost a game in 333 days. Yeah, like. <laughs> The, the off season's like six months long. You know, <laughs> that's so silly. Yeah, actually, Kiss, I want to start with you yeah. because somebody on this show, you know, has, has said that Patrick Mahomes refuses to lose. He just refuses. He, it's just, it's not in his DNA to lose. He, he will not compute the idea of a loss. And yet on a critical third down, he threw an incompletion. On a critical fourth down, he threw an interception. His first of the year to the GOAT jeff heath uh and wow. kiss the las vegas raiders got the win Derek carr was aggressive your thoughts on the best team in the afc west <laughs> i said the oakland raiders the las vegas raiders what am i talking about
2: this is a good lesson for pete right a-, a few shows ago i mentioned the hubris that was being an eagles fan after 2017 i see the same thing in young pete here and while the <laughs> chiefs absolutely have come out to a better start than the Eagles did in 2018. They've also shown that they're human, right? Two teams in their division have taken them to the limit. One got the dub. This is the NFL. The NFL is chaos. Uh, It's hard to repeat when you've got the bullseye on your back. And that's not shade at the Chiefs, that's just that's just reality, right? Every team's going to give you their best punch every week. And this was low-key dominant for the Raiders, by the way. The scoreline's going to tell you different, but this was a 40-24 to 24 game late. The Raiders had more passing yards, more rushing yards, more yards per play, better third-down success, more sacks, controlled the ball for 35 minutes, and committed less penalties. You don't survive that every time just because you have Patrick Mahomes. And this happened because the Raiders were up for a shootout. This is the most aggressive I can remember seeing the Raiders in the passing game. They knew that they had a boat race on their hands and they couldn't try to grind it out. They took shots. Derek Carr averaged nine yards in the air per throw. His most by far this year and his highest since John Gruden came aboard. Gruden even said, quote, We threw the ball down the field. Some of the pro football focused statisticians will have to scratch their head, end quote. Like this was intentional, man. And they got the guys for it. Henry Ruggs is a stud. Nelson Aguilar rekindled some of that 2017 magic. Darren Waller is a real threat, right? Like they they can be that offense if they open it up and Derek and if Derek Carr can sustain it. I don't know if he can. Uh, He's a bit of a shrinking check down violet at times, but this makes the Raiders one of the more weirder teams to try to predict going forward because they may have opened the Pandora's box of passing the ball downfield. And for my own entertainment, I hope they never go back to what they were, right? Go score some points. The Chiefs are in your division. You can't afford to to be the team that's so conservative as they've been. Uh, Last note, yeet of the week goes to Patrick Mahomes for the 58-yard touchdown to Tyree Kill that was called back. On the third play of the game, bittersweet for Pete. It was wiped out by a holding call by Coleccio Semele, and I feel awful for Semele, who has been a favorite of mine since his early Ravens days, uh, tore tendons in both knees. So his terrible injury luck continues, and you can't help but feel for the guy. Uh, that's a real loss for the Chiefs.
0: I think, Pete, that kiss set you up well, because we went from <laughs> eat to sweet to pete how does that humble pie taste man i mean i, I just i'm i'm curious if you know i'm down on my luck don't get me wrong uh and football is terrible but i mean <laughs> what is this like for you glad
3: to hear the the eat of the week of course the come up of the week coming up <laughs> later in the show want to unpack this thing okay so you come into this game against the las vegas raiders and all week they're saying for this to be a rivalry, we have to win. John Gruden, I think the broadcast said a number of times, went on...
0: Talk about the the video that the Chiefs had the hubris to tweet (laughs) out, Pete.
3: They said rivalry renewed, essentially, and John Gruden said he'll do anything to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. This was a really very impressive win, especially, I think, offensively for the Raiders. It's because, if you look at early in this game, the Chiefs had two leads, and it looked like one of these classic Chiefs-Raiders wins where they're just going to blow them out of the water. In the second quarter it was 14-3. Later in the second quarter it was 21 to 10 in favor of the Chiefs. They normally just continue carrying on, but the Raiders stuck with it and were able to have this game tied at 24 by the half, blanked in the third quarter and then the Raiders offense exploded in the fourth quarter. So good on them. The problems for the Chiefs were simple to me. You mentioned the penalties they had 10 penalties for 94 yards, and a lot of these penalties were costing them key situations. We mentioned the scores taken off the board, which was not good. The Tyreek Hill touchdown, which was a, an excellent throw. Uh, the offensive line play has not been great. And that is going to be key moving forward. You mentioned the Osemoli injury. He was the Chiefs' best offensive lineman this year, and he was a, he's a new new player for them. They got in the offseason. You mentioned he tore both tendons in his knees. The Chiefs were running the football successfully, really just to the left, and now they lose that player, and so I'm a little bit worried about that. Mike Remmers comes in to replace. The secondary looked like it was the secondary from 2018. There were Cowboys wide open, a 72-yarder to Henry Ruggs, who looks like he's more than just a speed guy, which he's a very young player. This is going to be a team that plays the Chiefs twice a year for the next who know? you know, for, forever, and they're going to have to deal with rugs. And there was also a 59-yarder to Nelson Aguilar, which, which he had those hands in Philly there, uh, Mr. Kiss. Um, Boy, howdy. <laughs> it was a great win for the Raiders. Derek Carr played the game of his life after losing six straight at Arrowhead Stadium, which had been embarrassing for him. 347 yards, three touchdowns, an interception. I want to note this. He has struggled in Kansas City when it has been cold. Yesterday, weird-ass Kansas City was in the 80s, I think that helped if the Raiders can earn themselves a trip back to Arrowhead later in January. I don't know if he's having as much success. That being said, I think the Raiders are a playoff team. I think they're a wild card team. I felt that coming into the game. And now they've knocked off teams who we have said could be Super Bowl eligible in the New Orleans Saints and the Kansas City Chiefs going into the year. So I just don't think the Raiders should be taken lightly. I think they'll be in that wild card mix. It is. It's a painful reminder. Chiefs first loss in 11 months that it isn't any given Sunday thing. The Raiders can beat some good teams in the AFC. And I even felt like that about the Giants. I, I didn't really get a, a chance to talk about the Giants in the last segment, but like they're good enough to win and spoil late in the year. You know. So the key here for the Chiefs is you just can't take anyone lightly. And to me, I think how they respond against... The Buffalo Bills, in what is going to be the most important game of the year, when you talk about that number one bye as far as the records go right now, how they respond will tell me more about the Chiefs than this game where they were shell shocked and lost the other team's Super Bowl.
0: My only thought here is Kist, you mentioned Derek Carr taking a lot of shots. To me, I don't know if either one of you have ever had a Matt Damon shot in uh, in in your youth. I've I've never had one myself, but what I've been told it is is you know the the mat that bartenders pour shots on the uh, the rubbery uh, one with the with the sticks. I can see or where not this the is sticks going. the the prongs. Yeah. Um. And obviously, like when you pour shots, you know, not all of the liquid ends up in, in the shot glasses, and so. Like, apparently, Matt Damon shots are free um, for obvious reasons. And somebody who's had one can verify this for us, but it's like, hey, I'll take a Matt Damon shot. And they just take the thing and squeeze the collection into a shot glass and serve it up to you. And that's Derek Carr. I mean, like, just, <laughs> you know, hey, man whatever it takes uh he is an enjoyable quarterback to watch when he's on competition in the afc west is a good thing okay uh kissed you mentioned it the pittsburgh steelers the pennsylvania state championship really did you know miles sanders uh grew up right there and uh went to penn mm. state and, and backed up saquon barkley i was totally unaware of oh, all so these things wow but i know that you have some great takes on this game kissed and i am excited to hear them uh jeff hartman from behind the steel curtain sb nation's home for pittsburgh steelers content was kind enough to join Here is his conversation with the one and only, the debonair, Michael Kist.
2: Jeff, the Steelers come away with the win against the Eagles in a wild one. Did you come away from this one satisfied or concerned? Like, how did you feel about this one overall?
1: I'm going to stand on the fence here and play both sides. You're, (laughs) You're satisfied with 38 points scored. Believe it or not, it was the first time they'd scored over 30 since 2018. Um, didn't hit the 30 mark at all without Roethlisberger in 2019. But then when your defense just, I mean, these no name receivers for the Eagles (laughs) were running all over them. And you're thinking this is supposed to be the vaunted Pittsburgh Steelers defense, a a, a top tier elite defense in the league. It certainly didn't look like that at times. So I think that Steeler fans are happy. They love when they score a lot of points and, uh, they did that for sure. But They don't like to have to score a lot of points, and that's exactly what had to happen. It was a shootout in the purest sense of the turn of the word, and you look at third down offense and efficiency for both teams, but Mm. a lot to like and a lot to dislike, though, from this game for the Steelers.
2: Yeah, both teams were over 70%. On third down, uh, that's wild. And when you look at, like you kind of mentioned, the big mismatch in this one was the Steelers defensive line against the Eagles patchwork offensive line. Lane Johnson even went out in in one point of the game and Jack Driscoll went in there. The Eagles are starting a a former rugby player at left tackle and you you would think that like Bud Dupree would go off on him. But like, and they still did, they still did a solid job at certain points. Like Miles Sanders had the 74 yard touchdown run after that. I think he had 10 carries for six yards, but you expected a lot more from this defensive line
1: right watching the Eagles leading up to the game obviously the Steelers didn't play in week four and thinking holy cow the Steelers might get 10 sacks on Carson Wentz (laughs) I mean it was it would look like that was going to happen but you know what Philly has a good coaching staff and they they're, they're definitely prepare their players for the best they can and it's a patchwork unit but the Steelers you know the five sacks they've recorded that's really deceiving because they only had two I believe until that very last stretch oh. of series where I think they got three on Wentz in the last two series of the game. So yeah. to me, that's a little bit, that's a little deceiving, but yeah, I, I was very, you know, TJ Watt did leave the game with a shoulder at one point, but right. kudos to the Eagles, especially their tackles because they kept Dupree pre and check until that very last drive. So I was expecting more, but the Steelers didn't get it. And this is what happens when the Steelers don't get to the quarterback. Their secondary gets exposed.
2: Yeah, shout-out to Eagles offensive line coach Jeff Stoutland. So let's talk about some good things from the the Steelers in this game because the second-round rookie, Chase Claypool, is the first player to record four touchdowns in his first rookie to record four touchdowns in a single game since Jerry Butler did it for the Bills back in 1979. Uh, What has he brought to this offense? And should should we have seen this coming from him based on how he played to
1: this point? I don't know if anyone saw four touchdowns happening (laughs) in week five or the fourth game of his professional career, but the one thing I, I cannot ever get out of my mind is that when you think about everyone laughed when Chris Sims, when he was drafted by the Steelers, compared Chase Claypool to Megatron. And everyone's like "That's absurd, but when you think about just physical stature, I mean Chase Claypool six four two hundred and thirty pounds and can run like a sub four four hundred forty yard dash like that's insane. Yeah. That's Ben Roththerberger's size and stature with the ability to run that fast like that's incredible and you can see now like he does not look like a rookie is when he gets the ball in his hands, he is a horse. he is tough to take down he's shown that he can run the route tree. He's not a "quote unquote one-trick pony" like Mike Tomlin once dubbed Mike Wallace when he was in Pittsburgh. <laughs> he can he can do it all and he's running the ball. I mean, this is they've been giving him that end around on the jet sweep motion. He did it in New York in week 1 where, where, to seal the game and he scores the touchdown on it and here against the Eagles, they have a very very large and very useful weapon in Chase Claypool. I don't think anyone saw him bursting onto the scene like this. But man, is it something to watch,
2: especially when people are thinking like he might have to move to tight end in the NFL. Yeah. So just a, a crazy performance from Claypool. Uh, good for him, man. He He's he's doing real well for them and, and is helping the Steelers go to 4-0 and on the season, but they do have a tough slate ahead. They have the Browns who are playing some really good football, maybe some inconsistencies there, but they're what, what are they, 4-1 and now? Yep. They have the Titans and they have the Ravens next. What's the expectation for this team moving forward?
1: Well, I think that anyone that looked at the schedule, now granted the Titans were supposed to be in the first quarter and that got moved, but um, ultimately everyone said that the Steelers have to take care of business early because that's a softest part of their schedule and they did just that you know I mean you you can't you can't be mad at how their games fall on the schedule so they went 4-0 in their first four so they did the job and now's when the tough slate starts to come up and you mentioned some of those big AFC North games with Baltimore you look at the Cleveland game that Tennessee game which was supposed to be a bye week now is another (laughs) that's a tough road game going down to Nashville and then even after Baltimore they have to go down to Dallas for uh, a game down there which is a tough place to play for Pittsburgh so It's only going to get more difficult. They haven't played a division game yet, which is hard to believe. They'll change that on Sunday in Week 6 when Cleveland comes to Heinz Field. But the Pittsburgh Steelers seem to, and I've, I've always said this, Mike Tomlin, if he has an issue, it's against teams that they're supposed to beat. When it's a game that is a big time game and a big time spot, he typically steps up and gets the team ready. I, I think that I like their chances better in this stretch than I do maybe in the first four because you're afraid of that letdown game. Yeah, they they are uh,
2: constantly getting into trap games that they have no business being yes. in. That, that's that's funny. Uh, is there any concern? Let's talk about the offense a little bit more. Uh, the limitations with with Big Ben uh, show up in the analytics. He's only averaging seven air yards per throw. Uh, that's towards the bottom of the league. Do you think we start to see him gradually coming on in the vertical passing game as he works himself back? Or, or or what's the level of confidence in Big Ben and being able to push it down the field?
1: I think it's a little bit of a mixture of him still coming back from that elbow injury. But I think it's also taking what the defense is giving. And huh. I think that Ben Roethlisberger, as he has matured as a quarterback, he has become a little bit more cerebral. You know, I, I, you talk to people that know him, that covered him for his entire career, They would tell you that early in his career, he was not a film junkie. He was, I'm going to show up on Sunday. I'm going to run around, throw some defensive linemen off my back, and then make a play down the field. Mm -hmm. He's changed a lot. He's definitely now more of the more intelligent. He can see what the defense wants to do. And if they're going to give them these little underneath routes, that's what he's going to do. At the same time, you do know that in these games that we just talked about, it's going to come a point where you're going to have to push the ball down the field. His deep passing has been a little erratic. Uh, I think his arm is actually a little bit stronger than what he thought it was going to be coming off of surgery. He's been overthrowing deep passes. But if he can get those intermediate routes, which is his weakness right now, and that's according to a lot of sources, including Pro Football Focus, if he can get those intermediate routes down, then I think that he's everything that they would have expected him to be and then some coming off of that season, season-ending season injury last year in Week 2. He's just He's a smarter quarterback, and he knows that, he has a defense on the other side that is good enough to win him a lot of football games, and he said it publicly, sometimes a punt isn't a bad thing. So he might not be taking the risk that he once did, but I don't have any I don't have any concerns about Roethlisberger moving forward. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, you look at his time to throw.
2: He is at 2.24 seconds time to throw per PFF. That is the third fastest in the league. That is not what you think of when you think of Big Ben. You think of stand in the pocket, yeah. pump fake, do all this crazy stuff. <laughs> But you're right. He is playing more cerebral this year, and, and it's working for him. A, a quarterback rating of uh, 125.2 when he gets rid of it in less than 2.5 seconds. So it really is working for him. Like you said, it's kind of what the defense is giving them. Uh, Jeff, I really do appreciate you stopping by to talk with us here on Monday, Football Monday. Let the gentle listeners know where they can find you, where they can find your work, the podcast, all that stuff, man. Plug away.
1: Uh, obviously, behind the, steel the co-editor there at that website. So if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, you want to go there. It should be your one-stop shop for all things Steelers and audio. Anywhere where you Get your uh, podcast. So, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Anchor, Pandora, you name it. We're there. Just search Steelers or search Behind the Steel Curtain. Love to have you listen. We'll be right back after a break from our sponsors.
0: All right. Welcome back. Thanks again to Jeff Hartman. Behind the Steel Curtain, your home for the best Pittsburgh Steelers content in the world. Kissed, we heard from you. No offense, but whatever. (laughs) Pete did Do you have any thoughts on, on this game? I mean, you know, I know that it was devastating because the Chiefs lost. but I mean, like did did you see this happening in parallel?
3: Just just went right to bed after the Chiefs lost. Didn't look at anything oh. else.
0: <laughs> I have a I have a, a prediction right here, kissed. Uh, i'm gonna I'm gonna guess that Chase Claypool is the come-up of the week.
3: Or is it Travis Fulgham? Which which one is it, Pete? <laughs> See, these are two individuals that came to me off air and said, we don't like the come up of the week. And here they are anticipating, <laughs> trying to guess. No, it is not uh, Claypool. But congratulations to him. Seven receptions for 110 yards and three touchdowns. I think that's probably the only aspect of this game that wasn't predictable, that he would explode. And that's how... Uh, The Steelers would knock off the Philadelphia Eagles, but the Steelers are playing good football. Now they're 4-0, and the Eagles are still trying to figure it out. From what I did see, and again, I didn't really dive into this game, it looks like Carson Wentz is making a little bit of progress, and as I told Kist prior to us coming on today... If they can just be average, you never know now in this wide open NFC East with the Andy Dalton Cowboys. So we'll see how this goes. There was also a rushing touchdown in there for, uh, for Claypool. Oh, Four touchdowns. Me. There you for go. Well, four touchdowns. Well, good, good on him. Maybe he should have been. The C O T W, but uh, keep on keep on pounding, and, and we'll see in the future weeks there, Chase.
0: I'm going to award the come up of the week not to Chase Claypool, but to Chase Claypool's tweet. Uh, one of the best tweets I have ever seen: a Photoshop oh. of himself over Tom Brady, forgetting what down it was on Thursday Night Football. Well done, Chase Claypool. <laughs> the official come up of the week I don't know about from that,
3: Monday. Un- unofficial, Monday. that was out of RJ's mouth. But go ahead.
0: Anyway, uh, so last week, guys, uh, on the SB Nation. An Instagram story I was asked to give my take for what I thought would happen between the Cleveland Browns and the Indianapolis Colts we do this every week at ESPN Nation make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter and all the like uh, and I said that the Brownies who hung 49 points on Los Vaqueros last week that they had found themselves offensively well look at that Look at Baker Mayfield go. The rib injury, I think, is going to be okay and whatnot. But the Indianapolis Colts kissed everybody talked about number one defense in the NFL. <laughs> and I'm 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 not trying to poo poo them. I'm a big Matt Eberflus fan as well. But they to use my 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 friend Michael Kiss you know, jargon. They faced a couple of tomato cans early on this season. <laughs> you for love sure. that. You love and that thing. So they finally faced a real offense. And lo and behold, outside of Gardner Minshew, the Cleveland Browns took them to town.
2: Yeah. Tale of two halves and tale of two game plans from the Browns in this one. The Colts were allowing only 236 yards per game coming into this game by the half. Baker Mayfield had 228 and two touchdowns, uh, including a gorgeous red zone scramble uh, bullet to Kareem Hunt. That was a yeet of the week contender. And the other touchdown to Hollywood Higgins, <laughs> Uh, in the red zone, that was that was a good one. He imploded in the second half, by the way. And with that, Kevin Stefanski said, "All right, Baker, let, let's put let's put on this run game a little bit and bleed this thing out." And and that's what they did, and it worked because Philip Rivers might as well be in with the laundry because he's washed. And we saw some serious decline in his deep ball in recent years, but now just overall. The decision-making going on with him, I don't think he's got it. The pick six was the worst throw that I saw this week. The safety on the throwaway was boneheaded. And I wish I could get as drunk as these two quarterbacks were in the second half. But, you know, this Browns team did the thing where you're the first one out of the tunnel and the cheerleaders are holding onto the banner and your parents and all your friends are watching and you fall running through the banner, right? That's what they did the first game of the season. But they got up, they dusted themselves off quite well. And uh, one more thing I I pointed out on the Palpably Unfair podcast last week, but their right guard, Wyatt Teller, put together another elite performance, and he's playing like one of the best guards in the league through five games. Their rookie left tackle, Jedrick Wills Jr., also looks like a real one, too. So that line is really coming together for him. They got a lot of good things going for him. And and finally, the Browns had another wide receiver complete a pass, this time from Odell. The Browns can do this thing working left with the left-handed Jarvis Landry, or right with Odell, who is right-handed. And these dudes have actual cannons, like all things considered. Uh, They're finally the dangerous offense that was promised, as long as they can get more consistent play out of Baker, Bucephalus, Mayfield.
0: Worth mentioning, Pete, that the Browns only lost this season was to the best team in the AFC and the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Were were you impressed by Cleveland? Were were you
3: unimpressed by Indianapolis? (laughs) You could tell they did wake up feeling dangerous. Jarvis Landry (laughs) had a catch off a colt. Bobby Okariki's helmet in this game. Yeah. So you know I enjoyed that uh, very much. I liked it so much. It was almost uh, the come-up of the week. Almost hit the button. Uh, o- We've already awarded the come-up no, of the week. Now later had to pick to make up for it. Uh, come-up of the week, still to come. Uh, Baker Mayfield, <laughs> at times, I thought re- looked really strong early. Uh, the Browns run these really wide legs for him which he seems to enjoy on an island by himself it seems like that's when he's the most accurate and that makes sense with the no one in sight i thought his touchdown throws to kareem hunt and later Richard higgins were spectacular his two interceptions were not good um so a little bit of both from from mayfield mayfield you you mentioned hurt his ribs in this game but he said he's going to play next week anyway in the press conference he said mama don't raise no wuss and uh You know, we call that and that is a little foreshadowing because old Baker is starting to creep his way back. That is a a Baker line that we would have seen last year. And as these wins start to compile, we're going to see more and more of this. I did joke about this last show. But the tandem of Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. that the NFL really, really wanted to be a thing in 2019 is finally becoming a thing now. I think Beckham is finally healthy. Looks like his old version of himself. And that, of course, makes everybody else better. Landry's now getting 88 yards. Beckham 58 yards in this game. Kareem Hunt looked like a more than ample replacement for Nick Chubb. To Ernest Johnson had a key run late on third and nine to allow the Browns to go up to nine. So Johnson slides right in there like Chris Collinsworth. And then off we go. Browns are four and one for the first time since 1994. That's when Bill Belichick was the head coach with Nick Saban on the staff. Agree completely with you, kissed on Philip Rivers. I think it might be time to have that conversation with the pick six and the safety, and then of course complaining about it in whiny Philip Rivers fashion. Like, how many years are you wasting sometimes when you have these guys in their late 30s? You'd almost be better off trying to find a quarterback and trying to give a young guy an opportunity and seeing what you have. I just don't see the Colts going anywhere even if they are able to rebound because of Rivers. You know, Rivers is not going to win in the playoffs if you manage to make it in there. And I, I I, would like to see them get a quarterback. And if you're going with someone who's unproven, maybe you're a higher draft pick and so on and so forth. But, uh, yes, yeah, it's a tale of two teams. And I, I think the Browns are legit. I, I do think...
0: I agree with you, Pete. I, I don't think I know. I agree with you that Baker Mayfield is certainly enjoying life at four and one. I think he was feeling uh, the tidal wave of uh, the incredible Red River rivalry on Saturday. Baker certainly, um, you know, feeling that juice. I think my my bigger takeaway, with no discredit to the Browns, I think we're all willing to say legitimate wildcard contender, especially with the third and added wildcard spot. I agree completely on the Colts. I I mentioned Matt Eberflus. I don't. We've already got you know, and we're going to get to the newest one. We've got two head coach openings in 2021 I think they're going to lose Matt Eberflus somehow some way I think he's finally getting that national talk I mean he it helps when you've you know had success with the Cowboys and, and certainly what everything's you know gone on in Indianapolis but um so I'm imagining and envisioning them losing him and with Philip Rivers you talk about the NFL wanting the you know Odell Jarvis thing to be great I want the Colts to be great they have things that that are worth rooting for and worth building around and Philip Rivers just kind of feels like like order like when you go to a restaurant and, and you order an appetizer just to order one like they don't have one you want you're like well i guess we'll get the flatbread or, you know or, but it's
3: or it's, mussels it's, which are just so so much worse than clams uh, and so
0: wow big clams guy <laughs> um okay well anyway on the subject of restaurants uh there was some cooking on sunday night football that's right yeah uh Ru- let russ cook I am a fan of the neon green as a, oh an accent. I like the the splash on the neck of the of the the normal uniform. I like that. Not a fan of the top half neon, bottom half Navy. Doesn't matter. Seattle Seahawks get an impressive win, a fourth quarter comeback. Russell Wilson, one of the best receivers in the NFL, DK Metcalf. I thought the Vikings played well. Um Kissed, would you have kicked a field goal or gone for it? This is the new go for two conversation.
2: Fourth and inch. Seattle five-yard line, two minutes to go. You're up five. Need a field goal to go up eight. The analytics from Edge Sports basically call it a toss-up. Uh, only a 2% increase if they went for it. That's minimal. It's a wash. If you fail, which they did, you force Seattle to go 95 yards, which they did. I'm still okay with the decision, and, and I'm sure there are those – football hardliner guys that will make a big rant out of it and blow a bunch of hot air i can already see you Pete. always
3: get the field goal Take the point. it is so simple you go up you go up eight and you just and all your defense has to do is step up and even if they get a touchdown you have the two-point conversion that they still have to get i it's, well, it, i don't know ultimately all you needed
2: was a couple of inches to win the game right and the the vikings offensive line was dominating in the trenches in the run game to that point i didn't love the specific play call which kind of gave them no space they invited bodies into the box but that's football sometimes make the play and you win don't and everybody questions it that's just the nature of the business pete that's a result going into that reaction play, I from just you. I'm, could, disappointed. I'm disappointed i just couldn't
3: believe it i this is i felt this way as the play was happening and and they kept the offense out in the field I think we're, we're 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 overcalculating this at this point. I understand.
2: Stand would the Chiefs have gone for it? Would the Chiefs have gone for it? And you would have been all over the timeline saying,
3: "Look at Andy Reid, the you, can,
2: on, you
0: just you can't not go for it." When you the have Chiefs Patrick did go Beholds. for something similar last he week. He refuses to not convert fourth <laughs> and
3: one. They they handed it off again. It was it just depends on the 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 game. I mean, here you are, eight points with two minutes left. The Seahawks only have the one timeout. Just cover yourself. You don't have to be so prideful that it's like, we're football men, we're gonna go win the game ourselves. No dope, because if Russ Wilson was still able to get all the way down the field and get the two-point conversion, you at least have overtime to maybe reverse this. And we saw four or five swings in this game. It's not like that was impossible. I I hated the call even before it failed, and it cost
0: them the game. Pete, I'm sorry that you are um telling us to get off your lawn, um, but <laughs> I, I agree with Kissed. Um, yeah, no, and Big surprise.
3: The <laughs> NFC Least picking on the Chiefs guy.
0: This is not, to me and I hate to make it about the Cowboys, but this is not to me what the two-point conversion was. That is is 100% obvious to me. Th- this, I, I will certainly allow for opinions because I think they're, you mentioned it, because this is more of a 50-50 proposition, but I think when you are... On the road, granted, not in a hostile environment, given you know everything we we know, um, but you're you're playing against what is inarguably the MVP of the league at the moment, and, and one of the best teams in the NFL. I I like going for it. I, I like pl- I like going all in in that moment, and I think I don't buy a lot into you know mo- you know momentum or whatever. But I would want to play for a coach like that as opposed to Pete, who's going to lay up when he's 120 yards out.
2: The Seahawks were going to score anyway. No matter what. Yeah. Like you score.
0: have to assume that. You you have to assume that because Russell Wilson is that good. And like Kist is right, guess what happened? I mean, and even if you score, you know, or kick the field goal, you're now giving them less of a field to operate with than they had in the moment and they had no problem covering that. I mean, Pete. Yeah, but you come forced on, them a little. The, you
3: forced them the two fourth downs and then, God forbid, say they still get it, they now have to get a two point conversion. I I, I just didn't like the call. Uh but what what I, what I will say on the two minute Drill, the 4th and 10, 39-yarder to to Metcalf. And this game was 4th and goal from 6 yards away. And Metcalf, as Chris Collinsworth noted on the broadcast, wanted the football. So congratulations to DK Metcalf, (laughs) who wins our come-up of the week, who now, after being named the come-up of the week, is an elite Wide receiver in the club with Adam Thielen, who he was playing in this game. Tyree Kill, everybody else. So congratulations. Come up with the week. DK Metcalf from above average to elite in this game. Good for you.
0: Kissed. I'm going to guess that that Pete is the type of guy that like circa 2004 bought DVDs in full screen you know and, and was <laughs> was fine with the the vertical bars on on the right and left you know like just not about optimizing full quality that's okay Pete I mean you know I'm I'm surprised that someone who covers the Chiefs hasn't kind of are had you gonna this go for it drill ingrained w- in them you you, just,
3: you of- if you just want to try to like go for Netflix and that's it I want the Hulu bundle I'm taking care of all my <laughs> needs I want to be Able to, if it comes down to it, win an overtime. You enjoy just Netflix. Eventually that'll get old. Not every Netflix original is a good show.
0: I'm actually an Amazon Prime guy, just you know, no free ads, but it is what it is.
2: And another thing about Pete, I got a real problem with this come up of the week because I got my own come up of the week since Pete won't show proper respect. In their first two starts, let's think about this. Randy Moss, 10 catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns. In his first two starts, Travis Fulgham. 11 catches, 209 <laughs> yards, two touchdowns.
0: Makes you think, don't it? I, I know that the Vikings lost. Pete, you, you did mention it. I, I am always amazed at Adam Thielen. I, I, he is never mentioned in these conversations. And he is one of the, I mean, it's it's such a fluctuating thing. And when you talk about the top 10 wide receivers in the NFL, it's hard because the Cowboys have three of them. But Adam Thielen is, is certainly in that discussion. And so it is what it one
3: is. One last point about this game before we move on to our, our rapid fire thing. This was one of the weirdest games that you've, you've ever oh, watched. Oh, that's Seahawks yeah. football, man. Because through two quarters, I'm like, why did I stay up and watch this? It was 13-0 Vikings. Then I, I guess Russ got his Amazon ingredients shipment, and it reversed really quickly. Eventually, the Seahawks are up 21-13. to And then... In the third and fourth, as it's changing over, the Vikings retake the momentum. It's just, you don't usually see like four momentum swings in the game. And then at the end, it was the Seahawks again. Really, really good football game. I would go as far as to say, maybe the third and fourth quarter was the best half of football this year. As far as the competition and the game and the back and forth really, really enjoyable. I hope you didn't go to bed at halftime when it was a stinker in the first half.
0: Well said, well said. Um, you mentioned Pete, it is time for our sort of rapid fire that we will get into here. You touched on it earlier. Alex Smith played in the NFL on Sunday afternoon. And if you haven't seen the e 60 documentary on him, certainly encourage you to do that. It is graphic. Uh, and shows everything he's been through almost two years since he's played in an NFL game. Pete, Alex Smith, heroic journey. <laughs> yeah, he can't. No, seriously. I mean, and, and the, the the shots of his wife and kids was just incredible.
3: Yeah. He's just been up against it his entire career. I mean, even dating back to the San Francisco 49ers days where they're changing the offense every year, and he can't even get into a rhythm as the number one overall pick, eventually comes to Kansas City, finally has some real sustained success in his career And he gets a lot of credit here for being a mentor to Patrick Mahomes when he didn't have to be. You haven't seen that in places like with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers to an extent. And so for Smith to go out of his way, Andy Reid will always say that Patrick Mahomes owes him a mansion for teaching him how to become a professional and whatnot. So a huge part of Mahomes' growth, he goes to Washington, you have the injury, and just the wherewithal to stay with it. it, It's not that surprising when I was able to cover Alex Smith and you just knew how he was. He just goes to work. And it took a long time. You had to probably take it day by day. It's something that your boy Dak is now going to face and you, and you wish him well. But what an example to be able to come back into the league, I think it was like 690, 700 days. That just simply doesn't happen, especially for guys who maybe take years off for other reasons. If they get into trouble and whatnot, it's tough to come back when you have a healthy body. So to push himself to come back, he he was sacked quite a few times in this game. So now um, I think that was good and bad. I mean, you don't want to see Washington play as badly as they did, but he was sacked so many times that you're like, all right, I think he's good to go. So we'll see if it's Smith or Allen moving forward, but what a moment. And he's certainly the comeback player of the year. Uh,
0: the Atlanta Falcons announced, as Sunday Night Football was wrapping up, that they have fired Dan Quinn, their head coach, who never escaped. Unfortunately, the Super Bowl 51 stink. And general manager Thomas Dimitrov, who had survived multiple head coaches. Your thoughts on the 0-5 Atlanta Falcons now rebuilding for the future?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like I said. The Legion of Boom made Dan Quinn not the other way around. Kyle Shanahan made the Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl contenders. It wasn't Dan Quinn. So since then, the Falcons have fallen off considerably defensive head coach that has no defense in sight whatsoever being carried by a very good quarterback that is wasting uh, the last good years that he has on a team that just can't get it together. So glad to see Dan Quinn out of there. Uh, obvious, you know, replacements, you're looking at guys like Brian Dable from the bills. You're looking at uh, b enemy from the chiefs. You know, maybe you get crazy and bring in bring in a college guy or, you know, whatever the case may be, they're in a better situation now than they were with Dan Quinn moving forward. So kudos to them. Uh, A a couple notes for me, you're covering the Eagles. One of the bits and it's a chalk tweet kind of format is talking about guys who leave the Eagles and have success, right? We do this with LJ Fort, who is balling out for the Ravens. He was on the Eagles last year. Uh, I I just want to say, especially with Nate Gary, just being terrible this year for the Eagles. You look at the cornerback situation outside of Darius Slay for the Eagles, and it's terrible. Currently, they have cornerback turn safety, turnback cornerback Jalen Mills playing there because Avante Maddox is hurt, and Craig James is out there for some reason. They got other guys. I got to look up the the roster page to see who they are sometimes. Then you look around. You see Sidney Jones, the Jaguars, has four pass breakups and an interception this week. They're defensive player of the week. You look at Rasul Douglas, former Eagle with the Carolina Panthers. He's top five. And yards allowed per coverage snap in the league was tied with Jalen Ramsey for first coming into this week. Jim Schwartz, his guys are failing and he fails to adapt his scheme to the talent that they do bring in, and it's becoming a serious problem in Philadelphia.
0: Lots going on in the NFL we mentioned, and we know that there is so much more to cover, and all of our shows this week on the ESPN Nation NFL show will do that, but we would be remiss if we did not mention before we get out of here the rescheduling that the NFL has undergone in regards and in reaction to the positive COVID-19 tests that we have seen from various teams. This is, is kind of hard to follow, but the Denver Broncos-New England Patriots game that was supposed to be played on Sunday is now being played next week Pete the Chiefs and Bills game that was supposed to be played on Thursday is now being played on Monday we are talking on this Monday uh, where there was no uh, no new positives for the Titans so their Tuesday game against uh, the Bills seems like it is going to go off the of schedule the Jets and Dolphins had a game rescheduled. the Jets had two games rescheduled uh, this was one of those things that when you saw all the information and I'm not going to go through it all it, it just kind of overwhelmed you and it feels like not that the dam is breaking, but like you know, the, when when you see it in a movie, it's like Poof, in the first stream, and then I, like on the the West Side, it's like, Poof, and the dam is like is just holding. It, it's Hodor at the very end. Yeah, it, it feels like the 18th week thing is going to come into play, but it also feels like that might not be enough. As
3: of next Monday, Football Monday, it will be the Chiefs' third Monday night ish football game that's half their games this year because of covid their schedule changes throughout the league i think everyone is just rolling with the punches right now but you nailed it on the head again for change because you are rj ochoa that this is a very very small window that the that the nfl has has to work with at this point point any more COVID outbreaks and there'll be need to be a week 18 and 19. So this is the last chance dance, so to speak.
0: All right, guys. Well, there are two more games left this week as of now. And as mentioned, all of our shows will have you covered. Make sure you listen to them all. Make sure you subscribe to the SB nation NFL show. We are available wherever you get your podcasts, all major podcast platforms. Also listen to bleeding green nation, Arrowhead pride blog of the boys uh, for coverage on those teams. As we continue to fight on Uh, it was, it was a Sunday really all i got it was a sunday guys uh thanks (laughs) a lot for the great chat it was fun but it wasn't real fun rj shout out to the come up of the week michael kissed thanks for listening everybody we'll see you next week p
2: g n